Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red live in the house. We're still trying to go on. Oh my goodness, we're trying to go live on Facebook and it's not working tonight, so apologies. We'll keep trying during the show. I have a wonderful show for you tonight. I always do. I have three very special guests and we're talking about creativity. And the theme today is here's creativity to your health. I picked that because it's an underlying theme with all three of my guests and they're nodding. But before we get going with the show, we have a special listener and on the count of three guests, I'd like you to join me and saying hello, LLL, on the count of three. One, two, three. Hello? Come on. LLL. Let's try it again. That was all mishmash. One, two, three. Hello, LLL. Josh, that was one of the best. Josh is my engineer. It's still preparing to live stream, and I don't know what's happening here. Let's give it one more try here. Come on, you can do this. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. And I've been trying to get her to move to London, but the weather was so brutally hot this summer, we decided not. But then I wanted to move, and I thought I was moving to London, and I tilted my head, and the N in London got turned into a U, and I ended up in Loudoun, Tennessee. David, you can laugh at that one. So I'm in Loudoun, Tennessee, and Laura's still in Whitestone, New York, but we'll get her to go somewhere with an L. So it'll be lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener in something to do with Ellen. There you go. That's it. So uh, we're going to be talking about all kinds of interesting things today. And this is, let's see, this is the 290th day of 2022, the Gregorian calendar. I always say thank you to Greg, Gregory, Greg, or whatever his mommy called him. We still use your son's calendar. 75 days left in the year, 42nd Monday. Nobody cares about that except me. But Emily Sultan and David, I'm telling you, 75 days left. That means there's not much time to prepare something for New Year's Eve that you're going to imbibe because we're celebrating being alive another year. And it's still special because we're still coming out of the pandemic. So, David, if you're going to make Kahlua in the sink in your garage, start now. You want that whatever your flavors are to be really mellow by the time New Year's Eve comes. Emily, if you're buying wine on an online store, you better go. Those shelves are going to be cleared out any minute now. And Sultan, if you're making whiskey, which used to be bootleg and is still by the backyard, I'd start now and don't tell anybody about it. It'll be just our secret and that'll be just fine. So it is now still in the Libra, Western Zodiac, September 23rd, October 22nd, the seventh astrological sign. And I'm not going to say any more. Does anybody on my guest list today have a birthday in Libra? Emily or Sultan or... I'm Libra. Two weeks ago, I'm not telling you how old, even though we are talking about geriatrics with David Bernstein tonight. Bernstein, I'm, I promised I would say. So let's go ahead. Wave your hand when I call your name. I'm still going to try and get us on Facebook. I don't know why. It's probably their problem and not mine. Emily Gold Mears is with us. M-E-A-R-S is her last name. She's a citizen scientist. I like that. She's a biohacker. We got to find out what that is. She's a research analyst, and she's the author of Optimizing Your Health, an approachable guide to reducing your risk of chronic disease, which so many people have. Emily, welcome. We'll be getting to know you in just a minute. Thank you for joining me. David Bernstein, MD. 
He was on twice in the past 10 years. David, I'm, I rarely have anybody on three times. I think you just won the trifecta there. So I hope this is good for you. He's board certified in both internal medicine and geriatrics. I told you we're talking about health today. He's the author of, I've got some good news and some bad news. You're old, all in caps. And that's a book he talked about years ago. He has a new book, but I, another one I like very much is Senior Driving Dilemmas. Life, life-saving strategies. I think that's probably still in fashion. David Bernstein, thank you for joining me. And then we have Sultan Denise, and she is a meditative coach. I can't wait to hear more. An author, an entrepreneur, a meditative poet. I got to hear how you meditate and write poetry at the same time. And she's the author of, and if you were seeing us on Facebook, eventually the picture of a book in the back, My Ocean of Life for All Searching Souls for You. I like that title, Sultan. So welcome. I'm AKA Radio Red. This is Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives, hosted by me. I'm going to, we're just going to pretend we're going live and I'm going to see if I can get this to work. Emily Goldmears, you're up first. I'm putting you on speaker view because we are recording the Zoom and I will send you the video anyway. Emily, we'd love to know who you are. Why are you here? A little bit about what creativity means to you. Welcome, Emily. Go ahead. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. So as you mentioned in my bio, um, I'm all those things. I was a lawyer. I practiced law, did not love the practice of law at all. Um, And because of some personal experiences with my children, with my father and with myself, I decided that I needed to understand how to help everyone because the conventional healthcare system was not doing it. And So I did also all sorts of research, beginning with my children, who, when they were in school at a very young age, were both just diagnosed with ADHD. And I watched how they diagnosed them, and I was truly appalled. It was completely subjective. It was based upon some questionnaires that the parents and the teachers were to fill out. It was not scientific in any way, and it was rather trendy. Any little boy who didn't sit still was diagnosed with ADHD. Yep. And they want me to medicate them. I mean, my, they were little. At five years old, I said, I'm not medicating a five-year-old boy. You know, I'm not doing it. And so it really stirred a passion in me to find another way to handle things. And then I continued on when my father, I had the best father in the whole world. And he came down with vascular dementia. And it was a slow, steady decline and a really horrific thing to observe. And I watched how the conventional healthcare system treated his disease. And once again, I was appalled. I thought there must be a better way. And I began frantically researching to see if there was anything I could do to maybe stall the progression of the disease. And sadly, what I learned was that despite billions of dollars allocated to research and brilliant scientists who have devoted their life to neurodegenerative diseases, there has been very little, if any, meaningful progress. Um, So that's when I broadened my research to chronic disease and also to address my own health issues, unexplained fatigue, things like that, that no doctor could help me with. And what I learned was really quite optimistic. in the deep in the science, which is not always accessible to the everyday health consumer, it turns out that our lifestyle choices make all the difference in the world. Our environment and our lifestyle choices, that's what's killing most of us and was killing me because I had made all the wrong choices. And when I learned this, I found that it was incredibly hopeful and optimistic that we did not have to stand there waiting for the big train. So 
that is what I've learned and want to share with people. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Um, we just take our own lifestyle choices for granted, don't we, Emily? We do them. We say, okay, this is how I'm going to sleep, where I'm going to sleep. This is what I'm going to eat. This is where I'm going to go. These are the friends I'm going to make. This is the career I'm going to choose. We create our life, but sometimes we don't realize the outcomes or the implications or the oopses that we're making until it's too late. So thank you so much for the introduction. I appreciate it. And you certainly have created multiple careers for yourself. Necessity is, isn't she, the mother of invention and creating our lives. Thank you so much, Dr. David Bernstein. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. That's for all three times. David, I'm delighted I saw you at the Publicity Summit and you said, wait a minute, I've been on your show before. And I said, nobody's ever been on three times. You're it, David, you won. David, I'm guessing, let's see. I'm guessing there might be 18 people in the world who don't remember you from the last two times you were on the show. So would you talk to those 18 people, please? And oh, them. sure. And thanks for the invitation. You, My you pleasure. Know, um, it, was, it was a while ago, and, and life changes in, in many ways, and so it's mine. Although the beginning of it was really pretty routine for me. Um, I was born and grew up on Long Island, actually not far from where you grew up, where you lived in Bayside. I dated a girl from Bayside one time. And um, I was influenced by my my parents. My father was a, an immigrant from from uh, Europe and a wounded World War II veteran who had a great deal of influence on me and my life and how I grew up and developed. Uh, and I was encouraged to be a doctor. I was discouraged from going into his business, the garment business. And um, that's where I went. And there were lots of little influences along the way. My grandparents had an influence on me because their medical care was horrendous. And my mother told me and scolded me and said, you be a good doctor and don't be like these people. And in 1973, I saw the cover of National Geographic magazine with a centenarian on the cover. And I said, I want to know about that. I want to celebrate birthdays with 100-year-old individuals. And at my high school graduation, the, the uh, commencement speaker had been a graduate 10 years earlier, and he had become an author. So I said, I'm going to become a doctor. I'm going to be, write books. And so I tooled through my career of 40 years. And during the course of it, uh, published four books. And uh, the first one is I've got some good news and some bad news role. And um, one is about driving, you mentioned, and, and one is the power of five. All of these things um, uh, influence me to be creative because being a doctor is doing things by the book for the most part. So I took my creative juices and came up with an acronym for my first book, GRACE. Is goals, roots, attitude, companionship, and environment. And those were the things that I saw in my patients who lived happy, healthy, long lives. And then kind of like what Emily uh, just talked about experiencing, I, I linked things together and tried to figure out what's the formula for living a long, healthy life. What can you do? What can you, you do to um, outsmart our, life, our bad lifestyle choices? So there are five things in my Power of Five formula that were all lifestyle related. And, and Emily is correct. We have a choice about lifestyles. We make a lifestyle choice and we could make a good one or a bad one. And I couldn't say that I always made the best lifestyle choices because I found that as I did my research, I could do a whole bunch of them better. But there were five things that people can do. Avoid sweets, avoid stress, get more sleep, sweat, and sex. 
And so that's a good way for me to end, Red. <laughs> you might have to ask me a question you, about you just, you just kind of slipped that and sex in there. And I, I, re, I remember that. Very, very interesting. Uh, as I was saying to Emily, we don't realize it till it's quote unquote too late for us or for people in our lives. The, the, what our choices result in, the outcomes of our choices, the implications of our choices. And sometimes we just don't want to change. But I like the idea of more sex. I'm try- still trying to get us on Facebook, and it's having trouble with my account, and I apologize. But we, I will send the video to everybody. Uh, d- interesting, David, that you see things, that you saw things along the way that led you to where you are. And isn't that interesting? Uh, just a sidebar, I was very shy growing up. I don't think I felt comfortable crossing the street in front of my house on a big empty street until I was eight years old. Like, oh, I crossed the street. I, I didn't want to talk in class. I didn't want to do anything. I was very, very shy. And little by little, I don't know how I ended up hosting over 50 radio, creating and hosting over 50 radio series, most of them for big companies. So we see something, we feel something. I found out that my joy in life, David and Emily and Sultan, I'll get to you in a second. My joy in life is talking to smart people. And who knew I was a computer programmer back in the day. I'm an early woman in tech. I I was the kickoff speaker for the Women in Big Data organization on March 8th, 2021 on International Women's Day because of my background in technology. I was a programmer analyst, key punching way back in the day. And and here I am. And I discovered that talking to people like you, Emily, and you, David, and you, Sultan, it feeds my soul. It That sounds so corny, and I'm not a spiritual person, but it just has something about this, a joy that comes from hearing input and hearing, David, how you created your life and your path and wrote your books. Emily, you too, and Sultan, that's a perfect lead in Sultan, Denise, and I'm going to spell your name for everybody, S-U-L-T-A-N, Sultan, and Denise, D-E-N-I-Z. Would you please introduce yourself? And thank you for your patience. Go ahead. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me here and pronouncing my my name so perfectly. <laughs> it's beautiful to be here. And yeah, so I am a meditative coach, entrepreneur, meditative poet. And my background, where I'm coming from, is just really 100%, if not 1000%, the opposite. I was a banker for more than 14 years. I had several burnouts myself and as you know probably banking asset management is one of the toughest industries in the world the heaviest energies and um, yeah my daily mantra was stay yourself stay yourself stay yourself every day I looked in the mirror I didn't join the games of intrigues and of lies and of yeah sure money is important but of that money game like of that not nice money game and but I had my burnouts so I turned to meditation I turned to meditation up to six hours a day because I needed to balance it out so I became very passionate very very passionate and what happened is as you probably know I'm sure you all know meditation has activates the self-healing powers and goes beyond and changes your life for forever in all areas of life so I found myself quitting my job I found myself 
being a coach, I found myself starting to with female um, led businesses, coaching them, supporting them, showing them how they can use the power of meditation to heal themselves and to scale their business. So both. And then and now I open up to to make it available to everybody because it's so desperately needed. Mental health is really up and out up there and it's really increasing post COVID stronger than ever. And yeah, anxiety, depression, anger, you name it. And so this is to me, this is my solution that I offer. And the other side is through my meditation, I tapped into my creativity. I thought I'm not creative at all, like zero, under zero. <laughs> and, <laughs> and through meditation, I wrote my book through deep states of meditation. I, I really unlocked my creativity and the words were just really flowing. And that's my contribution. Very, very interesting. I, I have a question for you. Six hours, did I see David and Emily roll their eyes? Six hours a day, I was rolling mine. Um, <laughs> how, how, how do you, do you sit still for six whole hours in one place or do you do it in little little segments, 20 minutes or an hour at a time? Just a quick, uh, a quick comment on that, Sultan. How do you do it? First up front, I'm back to normal. <laughs> when I'm in <laughs> workshops, I, I still do it like one week or two weeks. I'll still do it, but it was more like split uh, two hours. Or if I really was in in that energy, three hours taking a break, break and then again, three hours or four hours taking a break and then two hours. But that was really, I had two years at the beginning, two years in between where I really went like this. And I realized there was even one week I did 20 hours a day. I, I don't know how, but but it just it's just so beautiful, the energies. It's just like breathing. Interesting. Interesting. David, any comments on that? Have you had any patients who meditated for six to 20 hours a day? I had one who, who told me he meditated for two hours and that after his meditation, um, he would be profoundly pers perspiring. And it, at, the, at the time, he had gone to a retreat and learned how to do that. And, and I think he went to the retreat because his wife was going to kick him out because he was such a pain in the behind. And as a patient, he was a pain in the behind. And when he came back, he was a different person. And he was much more relaxed and much more patient. And he was different. I, I, I do think, pardon me about this, Sultan. I do think that he didn't attend to it as well afterwards. And he, he migrated back to being a bit of a pain. Um, he was always very pleasant for me, but he was difficult for my staff. In very interesting. Emily, any thoughts about, uh, shall we call it uh, marathon meditation? Sorry, Phil Tan, I had to say that. What do you think, Emily? Ever tried um, it? I actually took a course about 10 years ago that was given by a cognitive neuroscientist and a Tibetan monk. And I've read a lot of clinical studies that confirm the benefits, the, the change in the neural pathway. So I'm a big believer in it, but unfortunately, I'm slightly hyper. And the thought of sitting still for six hours is literally unimaginable. It's hard for me to sit still for 10 minutes, but I believe in it. I think it's, it, you know, the, the science confirms it gives a lot of benefits. So if you can do it, you're very lucky to do it. Sultan, go ahead. And I add to both quickly, David, 100% I agree because it needs that consist consistency. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't do it consistently, then 
sure you fall back it's a it's just being you people need to keep it up but there is no reason in doing it if you don't like it either there are so many ways out there and emily thank you so much i love this because yes it they say it it's called neuroplasticity of the brain the ability of the brain to change and and they have proved that meditation does that and stanford adds to that stanford says it's more the emotions other sides say it's more a thing of a habit I say it's a combination of everything. All areas will be covered. It really goes beyond. Very interesting. I have conversations with myself when I'm wide awake sometimes, and that's about all I can all I can take. But when I'm in trouble, when I'm having a having a difficult time, I'll just talk out loud. Um, I've I've tried meditation, and I I don't want to go there. It's it's a personal choice, but it's it sounds interesting. Maybe someday, David. I saw that finger being raised. Go ahead. Well, it, you know, a proof is that I included it as part of my power of five. So it, it's one of the integral parts of, of how we can get through life in the healthiest way possible. Yep. And healthiest way is something that changes as we age, as we make different choices, isn't it? Healthiest way, what's healthy for us one, at one point of life will change according to where we are, what we're doing, what we're eating, what we're thinking, what we're working at, who's around us. So health is a, it's a moving target. Sultan, one more comment, and then I'm going to go to the quotes. Go ahead. One sentence just to add, um, yeah. because I don't want to shock the people out there. Certainly, everybody can choose to just go three-minute meditation, 10-minute, 11-minute, or five-minute. That is just me going so crazy and passionate because it's my job. I did have uh, a radio guest on many years ago. I don't remember which show, but she led us in a, uh, I guess it was a meditative uh, journey, if you will. And she had us, maybe this is not meditation. Sultan, correct me if I'm wrong. She had us think about a happy place and just do some deep breathing and be very quiet and go to the happy place. And I ended up in a garden sitting on a, a stone bench and it was me around four years old when I was a little girl in a blue dress with curly blonde, we used to call it dirty blonde hair. And uh, I cried during this. So a whole bunch of people, it was a webinar and I cried. Was that meditation? And I talked to me. Absolutely. There are so many ways and it sounds very like that. powerful. Very, very, very powerful. And I, I went back there a couple of times. I had a, a doctor tell me um, recently, a, psycho a special, there, there is such a thing as, David, I think you'll get a kick out of this, as a, an end of the profession or a part of the profession that is GI psychology. And it's uh, very expensive to do. And and they are very serious about it. And and this gentleman, I, I had to see him a couple of times last year. I couldn't afford him after two sessions. But he told me I was really good at putting myself into a meditative place on my own without any prompts. And I thought, wow, I didn't even know that. Anyway, that's another conversation. Let's move on. This is interesting. We don't usually have this kind of a conversation. So it's an, And I have to tell the three of you and to my audience, my listeners, and eventually this video will get up. I'm looking at my Facebook page. There's nothing wrong with it, but Zoom isn't happy tonight. Um, I did not pick David and Emily and Sultan to all be on the show because of their commonality of interest in health, in different aspects of health. This is just the way it was. They were on at the summit. I offered them this date. I booked 35 out of 40 people who were there and they just ended up on this show. And it, it to me is always fascinating that there's a thread that goes around my panel, a, a link 
to the topics that maybe it's just because we're all talking about creativity, but tonight there's a special link of the subject matter from the three of you. And I did not pick you because of that. And that makes it even more fascinating for me to have you all here. So thank you for getting along and playing so well in the sandbox with me. That's what I wanted to say. Let's go on. I've asked my guest to send me uh, an interesting quote from a fictional movie or TV character or a song lyric that has nothing to do with the word creativity. And they're going to tell me how it does. And let's keep this. Well, we're on time. So we're good. Uh, Emily Goldmears has sent us a quote from Bruce Springsteen, the song is Badlands, 1978, from the album The Darkness on the Edge of Town. It's the lead track on his full studio album. Um, he also gave a interesting, in March of 2012, he gave a keynote speech at South by Southwest. I don't know if you know this, Emily, and at the music festival. And he was talking about the influence of the group The Animals on his music, their harsh, propulsive sound and their lyrical content. And he said, Darkness on the Edge of Town, the album was filled with animals so he played the opening riffs to the animal song don't let me be misunderstood remember that and he played the badlands his song back to back and he said listen up youngsters this is how successful theft is accomplished <laughs> so he's giving a lesson in south by i thought that was a riot so here is see, i did my homework emily here's the line emily has picked you're going to explain this for us please you spend your life waiting for a moment that just don't come well don't waste your time waiting. Emily, I just got chills. What a quote. Tell me, how does this have to do with our creativity? Go ahead. Well, it spoke to me because when I was younger, I did postpone things and I did wait around a lot. And then all of a sudden one day I thought, whoa, time is fleeting. It's going really, really fast. And the one commodity that we cannot get more of is time. And at that moment, years ago, I thought, I can't waste any more time at all. And I believe time is precious and one should never wait. One should just do whatever it is they want to do at the moment they're struck by doing it. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Appreciate that. Always nice to have a Springsteen quote. Let's go on. Dr. David Bernstein has picked a quote from Sheryl Crow. The song is Soak Up the Sun. The album from 2002 is Come On, Come On. And David, I hope I'll regale you with this. She was on a flight from Portland, Oregon to New York City with her co-worker, Jeff Trot, T-R-O-T-T. -T. They were talking about the weather and she was coming back from surgery, Cheryl Crow. And she said, I think I'm going to write a happy song. So in the song, she has no money to afford luxuries and necessities, but decides that wallowing in sadness is not protect, pr productive. So she reflects on what she has and puts on a happy face and spreads the message to others. And she thought it was important to enliven people in the post 9-11 society. Now, this is way before the pandemic. So this is an interesting line here coming up. The line from the song, Soak Up the Sun, David has selected, is it's not having what you want. It's wanting what you've got. David, this is very deep. Talk to me. Well, um, I loved what Emily had to say, too, because uh, one, I, I, as a physician, I postponed a lot of, uh, a lot of things. I, I, you know, waited for something to happen. And, 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 um, but this, these lyrics were, it, it's about gratitude. 
And, and I learned in the process of being creative that how important gratitude is. And, and I can tell you a short story is that in my book, You're Old, I wanted to write a story about some really good things I did for patients and that I saved their life. I found a colon or a, a colon cancer or a prostate cancer, and that this was like hitting a home run. And when I was done with the story and, and talked to my patients about it, I saw the, the glow that they had when they thanked me for doing that, that the expression of gratitude is just so fulfilling and so enlivening that I realized that gratitude is so important. And, and I also wrote down, uh, it's about contentment and that people are always striving to be happy and you know, getting to happiness is, is a challenge, but I really like the word contentment. And that's where I am in life. I, I don't strive to be way, way up there, but to be content. And that's what speaks to me about her lyrics in, in that song. Very, very interesting contentment. And happiness is a moving target, isn't it? What makes you happy is based on the 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 climate of where you are emotionally, right, Sultan, at that moment in time, right, Emily, where your health is, where your where your body is, where your your people are, where your home is, where your work is. Happy is a to me it's a moving target. Is am I happy right now? Well, maybe David, that word contentment is the right word. Am I content right now? And my answer is heck yes because I'm talking to the three of you. I'm very content right now, regardless of what else is going in. In 20 minutes after the show, I might not be content because of other things happening that are taking my attention. But right now, I'm content. I'm very happy. And I think you can hear that and see that. Okay, so let's go to Sultan's quote. This is interesting. And you already said it out of context, and we're going to use it again. The song, we have all songs tonight. Englishman in New York is a song by English singer-songwriter Sting, 1987. And it's from the studio album, his second one, Nothing Like the Sun. And Branford Marsalis played the soprano sax on this particular song. It was written, and Sultan knows this already, she told me, the famous eccentric and gay icon Quentin Crisp, the Englishman in the title, and composed after Crisp moved from London to an apartment in the Bowery in Manhattan in New York. When Sting met him, Crisp joked, he said, I'm look, I looked forward to receiving my naturalization papers so I can commit a crime and not be deported. Something glamorous, not violent, with a dash of style. Crime is so rarely glamorous these days. So Sting included that in his liner notes. That's pretty cool. Here's the line. Two words. Be yourself. Who else would we be? Sultan, take a couple minutes. Tell me how you found this one. Go ahead. Beautiful, because it's all about the, that's what the meditative journey is. That's what life to me is. Be yourself. Who am I? Where am I coming from? Where where am I going to? And this meditative journey, it just just takes you there. And both Sting and Crisp, uh, Quentin Crisp, are to me so inspiring that they already like they wrote about it, they were singing about it, and he lived it because to him, he said, he lived by the philosophy, be yourself, no matter what they say. And I realized that parts of me needed to meditate through to be more of myself. And now that's what I'm sharing with my beautiful people, so that they can become more and more and more of their true self and live it. 
Thank you very much. Brief and to the point, and you got your point across. Thank you so much. Thank you all for picking such interesting song lyrics. I appreciate that. And I'm going to pick now one statement. Each of you, I asked you before the show to send me four statements on what creativity means to you, your life, your career, your choices. And I'm going to pick one statement from each of you. I will read the statement and then ask you to unpack it briefly for us. So Emily Goldmears, I'm looking at statement number one. I like this one. You say, my creativity is based on curiosity. I believe that deep sleuthing is a creative act, and I begin with research to discover emergent narratives based in science. Let's talk about the curiosity. I'm interested. Go ahead. Well, I am an immensely curious person, and it saved me from my career in law, which I found mind-numbingly boring. So happily, I left that, and it enabled me to explore other areas that I was curious about, and there are so many. I'm I'm always learning new things, and I have applied that to my research in science, health, and medicine, and I think that there are always creative ways to apply solutions to existing problems. I I am concerned that the healthcare system is based upon a one-size-fits-all protocol and an antiquated protocol, and I believe there should be more creativity applied given the fact that we're all individuals genetically and biochemically different. And that requires a creative approach. It certainly does. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. I I love hearing the different takes on what people think about what creativity means to them. Just having the exercise of writing it down sometimes surprises us, doesn't it, of what we want to focus on. So thank you for that. David, I'm looking at your statement number one. I'll read it. I search for inspiration every day. I look at the world to find interesting stories. David, what inspires you? I was inspired in in my practice of medicine. And and I agree with some of the things Emily said about this one-size-fit-all. So I would spend some time with the one-size-fit-all requirement of what I had to do with people's medicines. But then I asked them about their lives. And... I found it really fascinating at, at how I was able to t- tweeze out the different pieces of their lives and 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 how those stories uh, influenced me and and I I don't consider myself the most creative person so I kind of have to force myself to do some of that stuff and and um, I would look at their stories and see the commonality and the differences in their stories and and. Um, come up with ideas that can inspire other people. Uh, being a doctor, following the algorithms is, is not always enjoyable to me. So I would get that out of the way and find out about people in their lives. That, that's what's helped me be creative. Thank you very much. And it's so important. People want you to pay attention, right? Remember their name, remember their patient number, make sure you got the billing straight. But we want to be spoken to and addressed like a real person, not just a number, not just the 14th patient of the day. And David's been working since five in the morning. We we want your time and your attention to pay attention to us. I, I'll never forget, I left a medical practice on Long Island, David, when my doctor said to me, you've just given me five things that are wrong. Would you please pick only one? I don't have time for that. And I, I, 
I, I left the practice right after that. I said, hey, uh, he said, I don't have time. I said, well, this has been hurting and I think it's related to this, this, this. And I was very succinct. And he said, I, I really don't have time for this. Just pick one or two. That's all I've and I said, seriously, you've known me and my family for 20 years and you're talking to me like this? Bye-bye. That was it. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Thank you. And Sultan, I'm going to your statement number three. You say, tapping into an ocean of creativity. The result is a symphony of words, an ocean of infinite creativity caught on paper. You're talking about writing that is readily discovered by whoever is reading. It holds the power to navigate the reader through life, elevate meditative, serene, navigating through our life and soul journey. Talk to me about writing through meditative. Go ahead, Sultan. Yes, that is the, the process I started describing before. It was um, like tapping into a space that, that goes beyond words and you just feel. And that's more like a, like a feeling. And then somehow you realize, you sense or you feel words and you feel you are creative. And then somehow you realize you're sitting there with a pen and writing down words and through that deep state of meditation. And then you're reflecting on them. And I realized that, um, and the fun, interesting thing is similar to what you mentioned before. It's interesting how everything just fits together. Like for example, in this group, it was the same with my book. It was like, it just added one chapter to the next chapter and it, everything just made perfect sense and the beautiful thing is i realized it is a meditation in itself each chapter and similar to the meditation you described before the lady was it 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 has to do with energies and science uh, is proving that or trying to prove that as well it we are energy it's all about energy Mm -hmm. so the book holds energies too and it is like a meditation in itself so People could just take the book, read one chapter, and maybe go chapter by chapter and not take too much in. <laughs> and it has an effect. Transformative. Interesting. And I'll tell you, I wrote a couple of romantic comedies about five years ago, and I wanted to write a play. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the process. I think you'll all get a kick out of this. I looked up, how do you write a, a three-act play? And I found a playwriting 101, the format. I wanted to know what typeface and how do you indent and what do you put first? And is it the scene? And how do you define your characters? And how do you show the action and the background and whatever the scenery or the environment is? So I found a playwriting 101 and I copied the format into a Word document. And I just started to write. I started at one in the morning and I wrote till four. I think three or four nights in a row. And after that four nights in a row, I had a 30 minute three act play. And I, I used, I invited community theater actors, people who did it out of passion, not paid on Long Island. And we went to my, I was producing a TV show on public access in Great Neck. And we put up a green screen and we did some research and did some background videos that we inserted through the with the green screen. And the play, I produced it. And a friend, my director, actually helped me edit it down to 28 minutes and 30 seconds so it would fit on my 30-minute TV show. And it did. And it worked. And I did another play like that. But I uh, was reading, uh, leading a, what I call a cold reading salon. I think I invented something strange. Uh, In the community I used to live in, in Durham, I I put out a notice and I said, anybody want to come and read comedy scripts cold? No rehearsing, no prep. And 
20 people signed up. So I took my plays and printed them out. And I wrote, I took some Roald Dahl. He wrote some very comedic plays. Emily knows I'm talking about R-O-A-L-D, Dahl, D-A-H-L, very fine writer. And I found monologues and dialogues and scenes with multiple people online that you could download for free. And I printed them all out and I put them on a table and I said to everybody, come up and just look over the titles of these, whatever you like, just pick one, take it and take it back to your chair and look at it for five minutes. And then I said, who's a volunteer? And somebody said, okay, I'll go first. And this woman got up and she, it was a a scene from an Australian outback comedian or something like that. And she read the thing with her accent, whatever it was. And we all applauded her and it was fabulous. It was a cold read. She had five minutes and then somebody else volunteered. Then we had three people in a scene, some aliens on a ship somewhere, whatever I picked out, they got into it. But the reason I'm telling you this is my plays were inserted, my scripts on that table. And a couple people picked one of mine and they read the scene and I'm sitting there hosting this event. It was a lot of fun. And I'm saying, gee, that's really sharp dialogue. Who wrote that? (laughs) That's my play. That's my play. And I thought, damn, that was good. So it was just an interesting kind of a feedback loop. Uh, Sultan, I was meditating on hearing somebody bring my words to life just with a casual read. And it was, it was fascinating. So the process, I think I was in some kind of a meditation as I was writing it, because how else would I know exactly who these characters were, what they looked like, what they sounded like, what their backgrounds were, where they grew up, what their, what, how they met. They met on a, through a dating site and they met in Madison Square Garden at a cab with fake noses and hats on because they were supposed to be anonymous and they had numbers instead of names. And it was a riot. And I just enjoyed the process. So maybe I was in a meditative state. Thank you for listening to that. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Bernstein, I want to do some famous birthdays. We have a few minutes left. So I'm going to read the names of the people who are having birthdays today. And if you know who they are, just wave or clap or stomp your feet or something. Eminem the rapper is 50. Can you believe that? Happy birthday. I know. I know. Two hands. The country singer Alan Jackson is 63. We're going up in years here. Uh, an actor named Vincent Van Patten, who was a former professional tennis player. Emily knows he's the commentator for the World Poker Tour. He's 65 today. Now, I have three in memoriams, and I think you'll all know who these are. Anybody remember Evil Knievel? He passed away in 2007. Robert Craig, Evil, E-V-E-L, Knievel, American stunt performer and and entertainer. Anybody remember how many... Motorcycle jumps he attempted in his life, in his career? Oh, wow. Thank you. Many. (laughs) 75. And he was inducted into the Motorcycle Hall of Fame in 1999. He passed away. I think it was uh, hybrid. It was some kind of a pulmonary disease. Norm MacDonald, very funny comedian, left us last year. He, He was born today in 1958. And the famous... Other redhead, the redhead from the movies in the 1940s, Rita Hayworth, was born today in 1918. She was an actress, a dancer, a producer. I didn't know that. She appeared, listen to this, David, 61 films in 37 years. Did you know she was that prolific? I had no idea. She was voted. Yeah, well, before all of our times, darling, she was coined the love goddess as the most glamorous screen idol. And she is in the American Film Institute's AFI's 100 Years, 100 Stars, one of the top 25 female motion picture stars of all times. Does anybody know how many husbands she had? How many times was Rita Hayworth married? How many? 
Emily, you want to take a guess? Hold your hands up. Emily? Four. David, what you got? Five. Sultan? Three? David wins. Okay. She was married to Edward C. Judson from 37 to 40 to Orson Welles from 43 to 47. Ali Khan from 49 to 53. Dick Hames, the actor, from 53 to 55. And James Hill from 58 to 61. And she passed away in 87. So she was just doing her thing. Now I have a couple shock of shockers for you. David, you want to say something? Go ahead. Oh, there were short marriages. Fairly short. The longest one, let's see, uh, four years to Ali Khan, five years to Judson. Orson Welles was very, very short. Yeah, they were very, one of them was only two years did it came. I guess she, uh, yeah, tried before you buy. Well, she tried and then she sold it back. I don't know. Anyway, I have two social media stars who caught my attention this week. We have a young lady named Christine Raquel Rottenberg. She's a Canadian YouTuber, but her name on YouTube is simply Nailogical, N-A-I-L-O-G-I-C-A-L. And she has nail art videos on her YouTube channel. From 2014 to 2022, she has added, amassed 7 million subscribers. David, what would you give for your podcast of 7 million? Sultan, 7 million people reading your podcast. Books, Emily, 7 million people. I, I know, I know. I think we're all in the wrong business, kids. Nails, about nails. Nails, nail art. That's it, nail art. I got to go watch. But I decided to start growing my nails again. And then we have a TikTok star. Oh, by the way, Simply Nail Logical is 33 today. We have a TikTok star named the Freckled Zelda. Just let that sink in. She has a, she posts aesthetic videos of herself. I don't know what an aesthetic video is. Maybe she just looks good. Singing and playing the Oak Arena, and she wears elf ears. Are you absorbing this, David? Sultan, are you, Sultan you're going to need extra meditation to get over this. Emily, <laughs> there are no words. She has only 7 million followers, more than 7 million. She has 178 million likes. Her first wow. video had 40,000 views in March 2020. Her account hit 100,000 followers in May of that year. In two months, she got 100,000. Her first TikTok to hit a million views was that month, May 2020, and she played something called Swallowtail Jig on the Oak Arena. That video has 300,000 likes. Uh, Last week, there was a birthday of somebody who posted slime videos. He was in the 5 million. He wasn't very popular, 5 million range. It just boggles the mind. We're all doing something wrong. I'm sorry. As, as smart and, and handsome and beautiful as we are and as gregarious and savvy as we are, we're, doing, we're in the wrong business. Anyway, this day in music history, in 1963, the Beatles recorded I Want to Hold Your Hand at the EMI Studios in London. I try not to sing. It ruins the show. And let's see if we have anything else here. I have um, three national holidays today. National Clean Your Virtual Desktop Day. That means put it, put the folders and get rid of all the stuff sitting on. Emily, do you make a point of cleaning your virtual desktop from time to time? I do not, but I most definitely should. I have just a scant 18,000 unread emails. Well, maybe I read them once, but saved emails. I know. So I definitely need to take advantage of this holiday. <laughs> I keep about 25,000 emails. And when I need to see a progression of somebody I've been in touch with, especially for my business shows under another name, uh, I like to have that history and that longevity. I have to be able to look stuff up when the sort feature is working and you can find somebody. But yes, I agree. Digital 
We're called digital hoarders. There That's you the go. Name. <laughs> However, I only keep 25 or fewer unread emails. Oh, good. I've read them all except for about 25. And for example, in the summit, I met the three of you at the National Publicity Summit virtual a couple of weeks ago. Everybody who responded with a confirmation and then with the deliverables, I kept them marked as unread so they would pop up in my list. And as I sent the invitations out, I could find them more easily. Once I took their deliverables and put it into my notes or into the calendar invitation, I turned them to red, R-E-A-D, so I didn't have to see them pop up. So that's how I monitor and keep track of the important things. So there you go. David? Do you ever clean your virtual desktop? Truth? Oh, I'll, I'll uh, thin out some of my emails and I'm working on some pictures this month, but nah, not too much. Well, when I had a lot of freezing problems with my Mac going back about two months ago when there were some power outages in Durham that fried people's, fried the UPSs and it fried their their uh, engines on some of their machines, et cetera, their motors, um, I just ended up with a really bad freezing problem, which was just solved by a wonderful Mac tech, Apple tech named Elizabeth, who I found out is 22 years old, the age of my granddaughter. And... Um, Anyway, it it was very interesting to me. So I was cleaning my Mac and I was throwing out ten to 20,000 old emails a day, Emily, for a week thinking that, but there was nothing wrong with my storage. I still had a, a, a terabyte and a half of empty storage. So there was no problem. Anyway, Sultan, do you clean your virtual desktop? This is truth time. I'm trying to. I have too many emails, <laughs> email accounts. <laughs> well, do you keep folders on your desktop? Because I keep everything sorted into folders. 100% folders. I've only I got would be lost without. <laughs> seven, eight, nine. To, I've only got 11 folders holding everything. And one of them is Dropbox. Dropbox has everything. And that has about 12 folders. So that's a, a tiered system. Works Today is National Pasta Day. Emily, what's your favorite pasta or don't you? I don't. I used to love pasta, but I don't eat gluten. It converts to sugar. And so sadly, I no longer enjoy delicious pasta. I still like it, but I don't eat it. Fair enough. Sultan, what about you? Pasta in your life? Yeah, here and there. But I don't really like love it, but I like it. What's your favorite shape? Spaghetti. Ah, angel hair or the regular? Oh, angel hair. Your Cheesecake Factory has the best. <laughs> really? Haven't been there in a while. I haven't, I've been to a restaurant since when, when the pandemic started. I think it's been two and a half years. I don't miss it at all, but I make pasta at home once in a while. David, favorite pasta? <clears throat> It'd probably be angel hair, but I don't have it very much either for some of the same reasons that Emily, uh, Emily just spoke about. Um, we do. I'm a vegan, so uh, we really clean in our house and um, we'll find other kind of pasta like elements to put our uh, uh, vegetarian vegan sauces on. Yep. And you what do you use a lot of uh, what do you put through? Um, what, what's the vegetable that you use the spiralizer with? Uh, the jelly or uh, we, the something to use for zucchini uh, works zucchini. well for that, too. Yes, zucchini. I have one of the spiralizer. OK. And today is also wear something gaudy day. Here's my flower. It's not really gaudy. The red nice. hair is not gaudy. Yeah, that's about it. But I wear this every Monday. So uh, does anybody wear anything gaudy? I'm stalling here because we got to give all your emails and your, your websites, your email if you want in the next 30 seconds or so. Does anybody ever wear anything gaudy? I'll tell you, I went to my my first experience of a social here in my new neighborhood. I won't be exact where I live. 
yesterday and I wear, this is my color black. That's what I wear. And I knew it was going to be cool. So I wore black tights and my red drummer boots and I'm a drummer too, and a black dress. And I had a red purse for an accessory. So the red suede boots and the, the, the red purse. I was the only one dressed in black. I was the only one with fluffy hair. I was one of only two redheads out of about 75 people. Um, I, everybody had on shorts and t-shirts or summer, something colorful and, you know, bouncy and fluffy and all that. And here I am in a black dress with black tights and boots. And I thought, holy crap, am I not going to fit in again? Well, I'm as soon as I could, I sat down with people I knew. And then I went to the buffet and I stayed seated so nobody could see the rest of the outfit. But in a way... It was like I was gaudy because I didn't follow the dress code. What can I tell you? And when my daughter was about eight, she said, Mommy, why can't you dress like all the other moms who come to the school to pick their kids up? And I said, why? She said, you're wearing a, a suit, a business suit and stockings and high heels and you've got jewelry and makeup. So all the moms are in jeans. I said, well, I'm not like the other moms. I'm working. Okay, let's leave that one on the table. Let's go around the table. We've got about two minutes left very quickly. Emily, website, where do you want people to find you? Emily Gold Mears. Well, my website is not very creatively named. It's called emilygoldmears.com. <laughs> E-M-I-L-Y-G-O-L-D-M-E-A-R-S.com. Thank you very much. Sultan, I'm going around this way. Sultan, where would you like people to go to find out more about you? It's similar. It's Sultan Denise with a Z like zebra dot com. S-U-L-T-A-N-D-E-N-I-Z dot com. David, you're going to be the anomaly. What you got? Power of the number five dot com. Power of five life. Power of five life dot com. P-O-W-E-R. O-F, the numeral five, L-I-F-E dot com, Power of Five Life, Dr. David Bernstein. Thank you all. Really appreciate the three of you. And I want to say thank you to my engineer, Josh. Everybody say thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Josh. Thank you, Josh. Josh, one minute to close. Don't go away. We'll talk afterwards. And boo-hoo to Facebook for not letting us stream live. But I will send you all the recorded video. And we'll see if we can't get clips of of sections of the show on Facebook. I think the limit is 10 or 15 minutes of pre-recorded, but I'll find out. So here are my closing words. And don't go away. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. It's the only way. Trust me. Love truly. And I want you to all laugh out of control with me. Laugh uncontrollably. One, two, three. <laughs> I really should start the show like that, Josh. I've been saying this for months now. Laugh uncontrollably and never regret anything that made you smile. And final comments. Work like you don't need the money. Because people really don't care if you do. Try to enjoy it. Try to be content. Right, David? Find a way to be content. Whatever it is you got to do, do it and don't complain. Dance like nobody's watching. But when I was teaching disco on a tabletop in a high school cafeteria somewhere in Oregon 20 years ago teaching line dances, everybody Okay. Sing like nobody's listening. And when I sing, people try not to listen. That's the way I can tell you. Love like you've never been hurt because we all have. Get over it. Let your heart open and grow and be happy and learn to love again and be nice to yourself. Here we go. Money talks, chocolate sings. And last but not least, I stole this line from someone else. Thank you for turning me on. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. 
join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.